Welcome back. Episode 7 of Coffee Woo! with the Johns. Wait, 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 wait. The celebration. Um, <laughs> all right. Oops. That's so the like button. if, if um, you guys have been enjoying this, let us know. Let us know in the comments. Let us know if you've been enjoying it. If you haven't, if there's something that um, you haven't liked or you want us to change or add or whatever, just uh, let us know. We're open to feedback. We might not take it at all, but you're always welcome to give it. Um, <laughs> today, we have a, a lot of great news, a lot of good, um, some good, some bad information. I mean, news is news. It depends how you take it, whether it's good or it's bad. We have uh, real estate. It's insane. We have real estate that's insane um, in some areas in a good way, and then insane in some areas in a really bad way. So we're going to cover both of those. We're going to be talking about more unemployment and issues that are coming down that we can expect that's going to affect your business and how things develop moving forward. Again, stimulus talks. Uh, that's just a never stimulus talks. Yeah, that's a never it's ending. It's not going. It's going. It's not going. Oh, we hate everybody. We're still going to talk. We're not going to talk. Like, oh, yes. my God. So we'll, we'll, like we'll see what the hell's going on with all that. We're going to. I mean, a lot of things to talk about. And then, you know, they had the vice presidential debate and then, you know, <laughs> the, the the virtual debate that Trump doesn't want to do. So a lot going on in the news. I'm your host, John Barbarian. With me is Mr. John Barr. Mr. I don't need any facts to argue my points. Um, <laughs> that is bullshit. <laughs> Come on now. I use so, all the real facts. Yeah. I just don't want to believe them. Right, I don't want to believe your facts. You believe um, CNN facts. First story. First story in the line. San Antonio home prices have increased twice as fast as local wages. So, let's get into that. Mm -hmm. Well, the, here, the thing I, I see with that is, it's something I've been talking about in my market updates that I always do, is that when you look at wages, like what makes a housing price go up? Yes, there's a lot of factors that go on interest rates and everything like that, home prices going mm -hmm. up and stuff. So there's a lot of that built into it. The interest rates dropping over the course of a year by like a full percent, it kind of distorts the numbers a little bit. People see, oh my God, we're in such a housing crisis, but they're just going off of wage growth to housing growth. But when you drop an interest rate, that yeah. allows an extra like $150 of the payment when over an interest rate, like you're adding almost $50,000 to a home price. And it's the exact same price for the house. But it does show, and like they, they talk about in this article, that San Antonio uh, is only, I think, 34th on the list of metros of prices that doubled. At the highest was Las Vegas. And it was 6.8 times the 6.8 times the wage growth as far as where San Antonio is double. The uh, Vegas was 6.8 times yeah. and that can't go on forever. But it's also, you got to take in retrospect where things were starting at Vegas in the last recession got hit extremely hard. So they prices went way down mm -hmm. and now they're going way up. It's that volatility. Like you see, well, why like do you think Vegas is always so volatile though? I mean, the last time it was the same thing, it freaking shot up and then it because, completely tanked because look at like, what they're coming based off entertainment, right? And so who goes or spends the big money? Mm -hmm. Big corporations with big budgets that with money to blow. So in the like, leading up to it, when there's a lot of funding in the economy, these corporations are flush with cash. They're going on big retreats. They're going there and they're spending all kinds of money in that economy. And then when it tightens up, what's the first thing to get cut from a corporate budget? Entertainment. 
leisure and travel and stuff like that. They're, they're slashing that stuff. So anything based on that's heavily based on that is going to get hit. And then why does it go up so so rapidly and so drastically? Because they've dropped their prices, and now everyone's flush with Catholic cash again, and they jump right back into their old ways. And but, now that thing's... Well, so now you, you, also get you like, feel it's the same people that want to... Because Vegas, I mean, I've never been. But from what I hear from people that live there and everything... I landed there once. Like, I lost 50 cents. You lost 50 cents. They have they have uh, gambling machines in the airport, and I was like, I can't go to Vegas and not put money in a slot machine. I put 50 and cents in 50 I cents. That's how cheap you are. And then I got on a plane and flew to Denver. <laughs> yeah, like, like, screw Vegas. <laughs> I'm done. Never coming back. Um, but it, So you're thinking that the people that are propping up these prices are what? Like people that love the Vegas market, love entertainment? Like well, who, who's who's buying all this? I, when think, it's I think it's the next generation of people that didn't fall, fall for 2008. To where they see prices increasing, increasing. And it's that where I talk about that that self-reinforcing death spiral down. Mm-hmm. You have the same thing going up to where that's what's fueled the boom of like they say, oh, these articles come out. And they say housing prices grew 32 percent um, over a year and stuff like that. Where everyone's like, oh, my God, I want to get into some of that. To where the people that get hurt the most are the last ones to enter the market. So, 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 so now let me ask you, right? So San Antonio, we're about at a two or point. Exactly two times. Two times of a ratio from uh, home prices to average income. Is that good or is that bad? That I, prices are going much higher than your income is going. Like, what, I, how I do you got, see that with the real estate market? I got two. I got two sides of this argument. It's good in the sense that money's getting the economy. Like, what I mean by that is that somebody buying is somebody selling. So the house price went up. That means their money's getting back into it. And that's what these governments do when they pump interest rates as low as they have and put money in the economy. They're trying to get it in the hands of consumers. Yeah. So when the house price goes from 200 to 250, they sell their house. That person now has 50 grand. And now this person is stuck with a brand new debt of 250,000. So it's good in the sense that those values come out. But where it's bad is that can't go on forever because we're at yeah. negative int- or not negative, but we're at super low interest rates. The historically the lowest it's ever been, and then wage growth isn't keeping up to where you can't lower the interest rates anymore to get those price boosts where you're buying the same house yeah. for the or the same house a higher price for the same payment. That eventually that that's going to go backwards to where it's like ah oh, shit we try to raise interest rates that's going to bring houses way down because wages haven't gone up because it's all based off of that person's debt to income. To where mm-hmm. if the wages aren't increasing, you're going to hit a shelf where both of them just kind of freeze in place and they both rise to the rate of inflation. But that's also why you've seen a massive housing boom in the past 20, 30 years is because interest rates have been on a continual downward slide. To where now when you can't drop the interest rates anymore, you ha- the only way for pricing to increase is somebody has to have the job to pay it more. So the circus can't go on forever of like these 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10%. Uh, price increases without more people moving to a, an area that can afford the house. So, all right. Well, we have Molly Hernandez that gave us a blue heart. Um, don't know what the blue heart is. You vote in Democrat. I don't understand. Ouch. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Kim, she's saying good morning. Good morning, Mrs. Kim. Thanks for watching. And the reason I was asking you this is because we have San Antonio's lagging behind in Texas, and on this uh ratio right so we have dallas fort worth area they're at a 3.7 times grow uh growing faster houston 2.7 and austin 2.5 so my thing is that yes the homeowner's selling they're getting 50 grand in their pocket but now houses are also worth that much more so 
what is that 50 grand really getting these people? Like, I, I, cause when I speak to some homeowners and sellers, that's their hesitation with selling is that, yes, I can sell my house and there's equity, but what I'm going to get for this, I'm not really getting something better. Like home prices went up so much that well, they're, depends on you know, they're, depends on where they're selling. If they're moving to a new market, they might just take that money and roll it in a new market. So say if you're moving from the you know, I'll say West Coast, there's a lot of migration from East and West Coast where they're selling these things for multi-millions of dollars and then they're coming here. So where we might go up 50 grand, and they've gone up 200 grand and they come here and you're like, I don't give a damn. About but what about the people here, the, the sellers here in Texas that are selling here in San Antonio, maybe want to relocate here in San Antonio. Where's this advantage for them? Like, is it just more along the lines like, well, yeah, you got more for your house, well, but you also got to keep in mind you got lower people, interest rates. You yeah, got, but most people also don't when they sell their house. Go to I make fifty grand here. I'm gonna go over fifty grand on my next house. Right. They go. I'm only gonna put the minimum twenty percent down. So now I get more money into my pocket because you're borrowing super cheap money mm -hmm. at uh, a very low interest rate. If you want to look at it that way, okay. towards say I'm only gonna put twenty grand down, but I get thirty grand in my pocket because that's essentially taking thirty thousand dollars out at a two point five percent interest rate. That you can now take that 30 grand if you're smart, you go invest in something that's gonna grow faster than two and a half percent. So, and usually if people are moving, they're not moving down price points, they're moving up in price points. It's very odd. We had a, a friend of ours that um, was moving, and the mortgage broker was asking why they were moving and what they're doing because they saw it as a downgrade. And it was like, are you doing something funny with the loan? Because it was a federally backed loan. Right. They're really prying into them of like, why are you moving? This this is a downgrade. Like, why do you, you're going from an older, a newer house to an older house in a lesser neighborhood? But it, he was doing it in a smart way. Yeah. But the broker they was like, see that. "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" So most people move up to where if they take the fifty grand, they usually take it and go buy somebody else. But you think about it, it's still money going to the economy because when they go buy their next house, that means it's money in somebody else's pocket again. Yeah. So it's money moving around in the economy. It's the same thing I talk about that velocity of money thing to where it's moving going in at somebody's pocket to where if they're moving, eventually somebody's moving out of state or moving into state to where, and that's what's pushing prices up as well okay. to where somebody moves into San Antonio, super low interest rates and they're coming from the West coast and they pay a premium of an extra 10 grand on the house. Well, that's now an extra 10 grand that's now in the San Antonio economy. If somebody's wanting to go from this house to a house over on the other side of town. And so, that's why, I mean, like what we said last uh, a couple episodes ago, why we advise those agents that instead of focusing on sellers, you should be focusing on building your buyers list. Because right now, that's where it's at, right? It's not hard to sell a house. As long as you can put it on the MLS, you can be a brand new agent and put it on the MLS and it's going to sell if it's livable. And we actually saw it, right, with one of the projects we did, which were, we're actually going to put it on the market. Um, we did a walkthrough video and everything. And we're going to be posting it real soon, explaining how we went about it. We essentially flipped it in less than a week. Um, and it was a, a, it was a really good deal. But what I wanted to show everybody is, as you can see here, these are the San Antonio numbers. So uh, John puts out the market update um, in our YouTube channel and everywhere. So make sure you check that out if you haven't for this past month. It just went out. But if you look at it, we have... The year-over-year -year price increase of 12%, you know, uh, of the average price. The medium went up 11%. Total sales went up 7%. And this is just a snapshot. In the, in the actual video, he goes over why all these things are happening. But, I mean, you, you the biggest thing is look at months of inventory. I mean, months of inventory are ridiculously low. We're, we're at 
two percent uh, um, at two months at two point one three months of inventory. That is insanely low. That when is, your balance market is six months of inventory. So right. Like, the lower that number gets, the hotter that market is becoming. Yeah, and I mean that—that's just—it's nuts. I mean, those numbers are insane, and it just goes to show that kind of market that we're in right now. And you need to, as an investor, as an agent, as anybody in real estate, even as a yeah, as a homeowner, you need to know. Um, Well, I mean, that's why refinances have been going up. Um, You know, people, more and more people are refinancing. It's a—it's—it's just—it's a crazy market that we're in. So if you haven't already. We'll put the link below later, or if you're watching the replay, we're going to uh, post it above here on the card. But check out the market update. It's uh, some crazy, crazy information. So pretty much uh, the next uh, article that we were reading is there's no housing market slowdown, right? As real estate agents report a busy fall. So in September, the National Association of Realtors said that the contract signings were up 23% year over year. Now, here's my question. 23% year over year. It's understandable because we had the whole spring and beginning of the summertime when usually real estate is the hottest. It, we hit a huge, mostly the springtime, we hit a huge slowdown, right? People were like scared out of their mind. Not many people were March, buying. March and April. Yeah. So does this mean that this, this same wave and this same interest is going to carry into the winter months. Usually winter months, we that's when we see our, our drops. But being that we had it in spring and people are desperate, like what, what, are, you, what are you thinking is going to be the data for the winter time? I think it's still going to be up year over year, but I don't think it's going to be up. Because I mean, I think it was the month of um, July. It, yeah, we were up like 25% year over year on total sale, uh, on total sold and sales volumes right. uh, and stuff like that. I don't know what the September numbers are yet, as that data hasn't come out for here in San Antonio. And I'll, once it comes up, I'll put it in the market update the end, for the end of the year for September. Uh, but I can see that it, it is up. It, but I think it was up 23%. And then you were you just had the slide up and it was only up 14%. So it is slowing down year over year. But I think we will still get a growth year over year just right. because there's no inventory. And then like what you're having now and some of the topics you're talking about is like there's a lot of people fleeing the coasts. Yeah. And moving places. Well, you and, have companies and incentivizing have, people to leave. Companies yeah. that we've talked about in previous ones, where some like Stripe's paying you twenty grand to move to a cheaper market. And I mean, you got a caveat to that. But even then, we talked about cost yeah. of living from San Francisco to here is like forty percent cheaper here, and they're only saying you got to take a ten percent pay cut. So a lot of people are like, "Huh, well, I'm going to move there." So I think you are still going to have those uh, price jumps. So. Let me post uh, two scenarios. Schools open up, right? Kids go back to school. This was the biggest reason why a lot of people were buying houses is because they had their kids home. They were home. They were working from home. Their kids were studying from home. They needed the space. They needed the extra office rooms, all of this. Schools open up. Kids go back to school. Will this affect and, and in fact, slow down the marketing frenzy because now people are like, all right, we don't have to necessarily move because it's, kids are going back to school. We're getting our, our our normalcy back. All is good. And then the other side is there is still talk of maybe we do get another shutdown. Mm-hmm. So if we get another shutdown, are we going to see another spike? And people are saying, all right, screw this. We're definitely not staying here anymore. 
we need to move, we need a bigger space. Like, what do you see on both of those scenarios? Like, do you see that happening, slowing down or speeding up? Obviously, I mean, uh, yeah, this is the thing, it's, it's time will tell. It's like, you're gonna have one scenario where it speeds up, but then you're gonna have another scenario where it slows down. But do you think those two factors would affect it? Yeah, like, I think- Kids I think, going back to school affect people not wanting to buy? Uh, it does every year. It's, it's happened every year in the past, like, I don't know how much longer, but that I can see it's like right. the past eight years, it has happened every single year. So I could definitely see it happening that it is slow, going to slow down. But I think if you look at it from a year or year perspective, like they're doing, you are going to see an increase, I think, for a certain period of time. But as as prices continue to climb and inventory starts to fall, eventually somebody's going to be like, you know what? I'm going to put my hands up. I'm going to quit looking. I'm going to wait, wait it out. But, in, but obviously, if you have a new thing come in, like another shutdown, that could drastically affect it in either direction. Because yeah. we all thought shutdown, economy's going to recession. We're all screwed. Real estate's going to start falling. Fell two months and then it took off like a rocket and we've just been to the moon and not slowed down. Yeah. So what that's going to do, I mean, it's, only time is going to tell on exactly what's going to happen there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Kim, Prime Homes Market Update link. It is in our YouTube channel. So if you don't mind just grabbing it, posting it in the comments. Dropping it there. Drop it in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't need sound effects. I got you. You just put all the sound effects. Um, I've been practicing. You've been practicing. <laughs> so the next story, um, we're heading back to the West Coast, your favorite side of the country. It is my favorite. I know. If I had to visit it only for the beautifulness of the landscape and the <laughs> awesome temperatures you got, but everything else does not. Not so much. So Portland approves measure to make landlords who raise rent pay to move tenants. This is awesome. Um, this was an article that you wanted to talk about, so take it over, sir. I mean, it's just something that I'm not heartless. Reading the article, I see why they did it. And don't you raise your eyebrow for that. But it's just showing the extent that they're willing to go. So what's that? What is what is the, the meat and potatoes of this thing? Um, basically, as a nice Kansas saying right there. What is the meat and potatoes? Bro, you've never Get heard that? Get some meat and taters on this story. This guy, <laughs> all the sayings I say, he's like, never heard that before. If you ask people, like, uh, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, how many people have heard the saying? Meat and potatoes before. I'm just talking about We're, the, we're more direct in New York than getting so creative with our sayings. You guys are it's just boring. boring. That's what you guys are. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, Portland approved, the city of Portland approved a measure that makes landlords who raise their rent pay to relocate their tenant. So if they have a lease coming up and they say, look, market rents have risen an extra $100. You've taken my tax rates to new levels because now all these states that have been poorly budgeted and run, the ones that are... I mean, the main uh, one of the talking sticking points of the uh, Corona or the stimulus bill is state and local funding because they know their budgets are blown apart, especially in more of the blue run states. So they're hurt the worst. So what are they? Where are they? Gonna, they have to raise revenue somewhere. So they're going to start raising taxes. Yeah. But now you're approving a measure that's saying we're going to raise our taxes, but if you raise your rents and your tenant can't afford it, and since because of coronavirus, you now need to pay to move that tenant to a whole new house. And it's not cheap to move somebody. It's not, okay, you raise your rent it's $200 a month. That's like $2,400 over the course of the year. Probably cost about that much to move somebody somewhere else. And it they already have rent control in Portland where you can't raise it more than 10% yep. without uh, paying for their move. 
Yeah, so they already have that in the, in their code that if you raise it more than 10%, you then have to pay for them to move again. You can do it, but it's a form of rent control. And this is another form of rent control to where it just takes one stroke of a pen again to yeah. be like, we're just going to leave this permanent or we're going to do a version of it permanent. They already have it at 10% if you raise it more than that, but their values over on those West Coast have risen on significantly more than 10%. Yeah, uh, your year. I mean, so. my, my thing is just landlords are not just going to up and raise their rents just for the hell of it, right? Because if the demand's not there, they're going to raise their rents and then they're going to have to deal with vacancies because nobody's going to pay those rents. So if they're raising it, it's because the market can bear it, mm -hmm. right? So there's that, proof that somebody can afford that rate. Exactly. So now Portland's stepping in and forcing it. And um, the mayor of Portland says, we're in the midst of a pandemic and we need to do everything we can to keep Portlanders in their home, right? Simply put, this is a public health issue. Stable housing is a, fun, is a foundation of health and the relief measure will help protect Portland renters through the worst of this crisis. Keep in mind, there's 124,000 renters. That's 47% of the population. But yet he goes and says, we also need to make sure that our local property owners who rent their homes to Portlanders are not foreclosed upon because of unnecessary added costs that make it impossible for them to pay back their loans. So what he said is renters are protected, but we also should try to help out the property That's owners. That's right. I just love but it. there's it's just, no it's this utopia that, that, that a lot of people want. It's like everybody's all happy and glory. Economy doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Making money doesn't matter. It's like we all just kind of go laxy-daisy on uh, what these things really mean. Yeah. More suggestions you need to pay this stuff than actually laws you need to pay this stuff. Where it's like you can't – a lot of people are saying like, okay, the people with the least amount of savings are usually the people that are renting and stuff like that. To where usually investors, property owners have a little more savings. To where even in his articles, he said unpaid rent now – now totals between $22 million and $28 million just yeah. in the city of Portland. That's but insane. at the current rate, it will balloon to 120 to $125 million by <laughs> the end of September next year. That's hilarious. But then, what was the party added in the budget? But we're going to add half a million dollars in yeah. our city budget to help landlords that are facing these crises. Oh, like, to help the tenants. It was yeah. like, to help the tenants. Like, okay, half, half a million dollars to $128 million you're talking about, $125 million well, you're talking and about. And then it's also, this is the fear-mongering that annoys the hell out of me. They say right now it's between 22 and $28 million. Not a small range, but okay, that's fine. You guys don't know how to balance a budget, so understand. But then they say it can go up to 120 and 125 by this time next year, how? Like, are we expecting this to continue for the whole next year? Nobody know. ever goes to work. Nobody ever pays their rent. Like, well, I think what, what, you, they're, what they're saying is like, where do you like, get to that number? Worst case scenario, it's like obviously in the first six months of this, from March to September, it's gone to twenty-eight million. But, but now can we can in, we admit that it's gradually gotten tremendously better? Because a lot yeah. more people have gotten to work. A lot well, more people have that. Here in the Midwest, Texas, it definitely has. But you see Portland's where all those riots are every single Because they night. don't want to work. And they've they, been it's going It's not on. riots. It's peaceful protests, okay? Mm, yeah. They're mostly yeah. peaceful. Yeah, mostly peaceful. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, yeah. But it's it's where this stuff is going to where, like, you look at the West Coast and it's still mainly shut down. New York's talking of shutting everything down again. Well, speaking of New York, the, the next article that I was reading, so – you know, back to my little home side, hometown. Um, home digging. Yes. 
where we say what we mean and not meat and potatoes. Okay, and so what, what is the what is the proper term to meat and potatoes of an article? I don't know. What, See, what the meat nothing. and potatoes. We just say here's the article. Like I don't need to say meat and potatoes. Like you go eat like, on your own time. You don't like meat and potatoes, but eh, oven potatoes maybe baked not so much. But on this article, you vegan. Empty rental apartments in Manhattan triple, nearly hitting 16,000. So more and more apartments are becoming vacant in Manhattan. And, and this is what I'm more curious about with all this, right? People are fleeting the pretty much the Northeast, the West Coast. They're fleeting these places because they keep, they're still shut down. I mean, talk about the public speaking on what is, right? Like, they're shutting down for public safety and the public saying, screw you, we're going to go where places are open, right? It's like, public doesn't seem to care about their own safety. They're, they're running Wait. they're running things out. They're just like, you know what? See ya. Yeah, uh, so they're, they're leaving. They can't work here. They're going to leave. If they have the means yeah. to get out. I mean, what's really going to suck with this is the people that have the means will leave. The oh, people 100%. that have the means are the ones that pay the taxes. Your billionaires, they're leaving. They're your multimillionaires. They're like, screw this. If I can't be in that city, I'm leaving. De Blasio came out, or not De Blasio, it was uh, Cuomo. I'll cook you dinner. Like, dude, oh, they don't Cuomo, want dinner. Yeah, it's like, Cuomo gets it. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all to, that it's falling by 11%. And it's not just New York that's having that. We got yeah. it, It's happening in places that are severely shut down with all these restrictions. To where my point is, like, here in Texas. They, people made fun of Texas because we were the fastest to open up, us in like Georgia and Florida, yeah. opened right back up, and we spiked. But then we, we brought the, some things back down. They made the mass thing mandatory. But now, like, I don't know about you or where you guys are watching this from. I drive around now. Traffic jams are back. Restaurants are now at 75% capacity. Bars are now able to open and stuff like and that. Not in San Antonio. Oh, we won't even get into that. <laughs> but but the, the state is allowing these things to open back up and i mean you go to these restaurants you go to these department stores you go to these retail stores you go to the malls like there are people out and about commerce is happening yeah we still have the mass restrictions but our cases are a tenth of what they were six or four or five months ago but we're further open now than we were back then yeah so everyone wants to make fun of us for what we all all these deaths and all the cases. no our cases rose but our deaths didn't rise so obviously, it's like looks like we did something right, where it kind of worked its yeah, way through the economy. Yeah, but you're, you're trying to argue facts, and that's not what most of these forces are worried about. Oh, you said I was but, entitled to my own opinion. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, well, on certain things. Um, but the, what I'm more worried about is more of the 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 trickle down effects, right? So we talk about how we look at the trends. So now you have sixteen thousand apartments vacant and growing in New York City. You have rents have dropped eleven percent. Um, that's a big drop. So now the majority of the tax revenue New York City generates is from property taxes. So the landlords have property sales and income. Yeah, you have brought, but property taxes is a huge part of it. So you have landlords that are sitting on vacant properties and the property taxes are not cheap in New York by any means. They're insane. Especially, especially commercial. Yeah, they're insane. So now you have these people that don't have tenants they need to drop rents just to even get anybody in there there's landlords offering like two free months i mean a ton of incentives for people to move in there so now you have property taxes are gonna drop their income is gonna drop to the city which the city is already going broke with a lot of stuff 
Foreclosures are going to start rising. It's at this point, you know, exactly. Starts, it reinforces and it goes down. And now I wanted to share with everybody is this article. Um, there we go. Well, a tweet from Mr. Uh, our governor, Greg Abbott. And he's talking about, you know, I've been talking with the NASDAQ Stock Exchange about moving some of their operations to Texas. They want to flee high taxes. I let them know that we just passed a constitutional amendment banning an income tax in Texas. Who wrote that? That is, but that's really how you run, right? Like, that's what people don't understand when every time they're like, we're going to raise taxes, we're going to raise taxes. That's fine. Raise taxes. But people leave. Businesses leave. You you were talking about, uh, I want to say episode one or two about Rick Edelman. He was saying how the majority of the pretty much income and everything is done by the middle, uh, what is it, white collar America? Like middle to high income earners? Yeah. Pays the majority and, and move the pretty much the economic needle. Yeah. Those are the people that leave these cities. So they have disposable income. Exactly. So those people leave the city. They leave these places that are raising taxes. They leave these places that, you know, they're forced to uh, pay moving expenses like Portland and they're forced to pay property and same property taxes for an area that's vacant because the city won't open up. People can't make money. They have to go somewhere else. Now you're losing this market. That's what people don't understand. And But Greg Abbott, you know, even though he kind of was, you know, pressured and he folded on a lot of the stuff uh, with this whole COVID stuff. He still understands that it's like lower taxes is going to bring more businesses. Well, that's really like the reason Texas is booming and it is having so many businesses move here because like we're the number one business friendly state in the entire union. Yeah. That's why wow. a lot of businesses are moving here. Wow. That's why a lot of companies ten, are moving. Tennessee is up there. It's up there, but it's not number well, one. Well, it's okay. like number six. It's up there. Florida's ahead of its Way to go, Texas, says Molly <laughs> Hernandez. That is right. But and that's, she's that's from what... California. Was from. She's she's a rehabilitated Californian. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's, what is that? Uh, in recovery. In recovery? No. She's still in recovery? Still oh. in recovery. She's not still going through any California withdrawals? Oh, I mean, if you've ever been to California, you're going to have some withdrawals. It is, it is absolutely beautiful, perfect. You would like it because it's like 55 to 75, 80 degrees year-round. Like, Except that the people there are very sick. Yeah, oh, except for the rest of yeah. everything else. I, that's what I was just talking about, the, the, the climate. But anyways, like, it yeah. doesn't surprise me. It, like This stuff you see, and now like the next thing we're talking about yeah. is Back where, to the West Coast. Flip flop, we'll just jump over it's the middle um, to where oh, this image is super small. Um, San Francisco office rents tumble and show no sign of bottoming out mm -hmm. to where they have fallen 20% year over year. And there's no sign of a bottom as big tech firms are exploring cheaper cities and allowing employees to work from home. Yeah. It's like shocking. And it's like, and it's their own fault. It's like if you let the things open back up and let people make their own decisions, not the government thinking for everybody, that these places are like, you know what? Screw it. We're yeah. out. Like it just doesn't. I mean, there's all kinds of people. Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, uh, Elon Musk are talking about leaving like Apple headquarters. You go to Austin, you got Apple, you got Google, you got Facebook. Like they already have major hubs. Well, in and, these and, and those are states. the major billion dollar brands, right? But yeah. then all the smaller, all the smaller ones that, that they still, you know, you say, oh, they're small. Yeah, but they're still carrying a couple hundred employees, you know, 
all of these things. And then, and then that's it. We go back to the trickle effect. These people are not making chump change, right? So you're moving those employees. That affects housing market. That affects, uh, affects consumerism. That affects everything. And it starts trickling down tomorrow. Well, and like, I mean, it doesn't surprise me when like they shut everything down. Even if it happens. Say we were across the board, everyone shut down as uh, equally. Yeah. You still have a bar of income taxes. The cost of operating in a West Coast or Northeast yeah. or West Coast, Midwest and the South. Like, it's just like you look at it like corporate tax rate in or income tax in California, things like 13%. Texas, it's zero. Corporate taxes are higher in California. Texas, they're significantly less. So where they're like, we need to cut costs. I get they're equal side by side as far as yeah. everything was shut down. They're still going to make that move. But now you add that these states are allowing people to commerce and move about and have their freedoms and liberties. That just adds to the top of the taxes. And this is like, all right, this is the final straw that broke the camel's back. You heard that same straw that broke the camel's back? I've heard that one. Yes, sir. Oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen, we got a modern person here nowadays. But, modern? You're saying old ass sayings. That's no, not modern. No. Get out that of here. But that that's, that does not surprise me. One but l- listen the- to, to this freaking uh, disgusting capitalist that's on our comments. It grosses me out when I see capitalists. But she says she is going through withdrawals all day long, but likes her money. Just gross. You're <laughs> such a capitalist that you like to keep the money you earn. That's so bad. Don't you know the policy is to give it away? You work hard and then you give it away. That is the new American dream. But my my long-term <laughs> worry with this stuff is if it spreads. I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh, man. Siri wants to join the conversation. Yeah, apparently. That's, uh, I told you, right. Amazon doesn't like it when we talk about these things. <laughs> but um, you, you have, like, where do these big firms, these big states, and these people get their money? They get it from banks. Yeah. Banks are not local anymore. They're they're getting them from the big five, exactly. and they spread them everywhere. To where if you have, and that's where their biggest loans are, their biggest risk exposures. To where these states are are they're, they're hinged on growth. They have to grow, otherwise they revert and they go backwards so fast because there is so much debt pumped in out there at whatever interest rates may be. Mm-hmm. To where that can become systemic and it can spread and hurt the overall economy because. When you look at it, like, yes, we have Texas and Florida and, and like Arizona and stuff that are uh, big producers mm-hmm. that are in the top. But you look at Washington, uh, Oregon, California, New York, there's a lot of money. When you combine those, they do weigh heavier on the economy than some of the south and the southern states to where if not enough money gets down here and things transition quick enough, it can cause a lot of problems economically. And that that is where I'm concerned to where I want to I, I do want to see like going on kind of the stimulus thing. Like if you ran your budget like shit, you should deserve to fail. Just kind of like we were talking about, like you shouldn't be getting big corporate bailouts if you're you weren't prepared for something like this. But the municipalities where if they don't get money, their states do kind of go down. But that does drag that drag the entire economy down because we are such an interconnected economy. We're not like the 1950s. I was just thinking about that. Does apart. it though? Because then where you have, look how, the why I like the free market, right? All these things were happening, yet Texas has been booming, right? You know, middle America has been booming um, because all the coastal cities are screwing up with all their policies. So people are adapting and they're moving inland. They're moving to areas that are not doing it. So then these areas are doing great. 
You understand? A lot of these areas are creating more jobs, more stay-at-home jobs. I mean, if you're not working in Texas, it's because you just don't want to work. But there's jobs. There's jobs everywhere. There's new jobs being created. So I don't know if it's so much that, you know, that I think it's more of a political fear on their end of, you know, if we do this, then we might not get reelected. Yeah. And where it's like, I think we should limit the terms just so they stop acting on reelection and they start creating policies on what's good for the country. And guess what? Sometimes, and we're actually going to be recording an episode on this about personal finance, right? There's times that uh, with personal finance, when you take that responsibility on of being you know, smart about your expenses and everything, you are going to have to do some austerity and you are going to have to take a hit of saying, okay, no more, you know, going out to the movies, no more spending extra money on dumb shit. Like we got to buckle down. We got to cut our expenses. We got to get rid of our debt and then we can pick up and we're going to probably live a year or so of, you know, just mediocre lifestyle. But guess what? You're going to still live. And guess what? After those years or so, you're going to be thriving again. And that's where, and I think that's what they're so scared of doing is like, they know it's the right thing to do, but it's basically political suicide doing that. So like you're in the office and you say, this is what we're going to do. That yeah. means we're cutting money. Lifestyles are going to shrink. People are going to go. I mean, it's basically the death sentence that you're done. Because, But that's my worry is when that does happen because growth, 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 debt, 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 growth, 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 debt, 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 trying to stay in office. But eventually like you built in the freaking Eiffel Tower on top of baseball cards. Yeah. It's like eventually when that thing wobbles and tumbles, like it really starts crashing down to where they say it's no, it's no surprise where they say like CalPERS, the biggest pension fund in the entire world, the California state pension fund is like is massively underfunded to where they have to get a 7% growth. And that's still not meeting it to where like, what's going to happen if that continues to underperform. And now you have these states having to cut funding to get their budgets back in place. They're not getting the stimulus package to shore up their budgets. And now you have, millions of people dependent on all these pension funds. Yeah. And it's like where that, and then that pension fund now rolls over into something else, which rolls over into something else. Well, I mean, we, we've been hearing like, about this, the, the pension fund crisis in California for quite a few years now that they're saying like these pensions are severely underfunded because they've been spending that money on a bunch of dumb shit. And now it's like, if people need to start tapping into this pension, the baby boomers and everything, there's not going to be anything. And that's why we've always talked about people that are depending on their well, pensions to take care of them for, you know, the rain or the life, because that's how it was sold. And that's what they work towards. They're going to have a very rude awakening when they try to tap into it, because that pension in a lot of areas, it's most likely not going to be there anymore. Well, so, they say like Social Security that um, the sooner they fix Social Security, the better they're going to be. Because they say the trust fund was supposed to run out in 2035. But now with everything going backwards now, it's basically going to run out in 2028. To where if that happens, it that's just their extra reserves that they have saved up to pay these things. But they're pulling from that pit, that fund and it's not being replenished. Which we know, we know their, their way they manage their money is very accurate. Yeah. And if it runs out, it's in the law that everyone take across the board takes a 30, 30 or 40% pay cut right off the bat of your Social Security check. To where if you're dependent on them, Social Security when it was founded wasn't meant to be your entire income source in retirement. It was supposed to be a supplement on top of your additional savings, but most people didn't do that. Right. They only have the pensions yeah. and their social security and, and stuff. And now if you take it, all that down 40%, yeah. it's like people don't usually live 40% above uh, their means. That's what I was going to say. If you think about it, they say, you know, to be a more responsible person, your mortgage or rent 
should be a third, roughly 33% of your total income. It's more like 50% for the majority of Americans, right? They, it's more for a lot of people, it's mostly 50% of what they make. So now you're taking 40% off, leaving you what, maybe 10, maybe 20% if you're more physically sound to take care of your mortgage or rent and the rest of your expenses. Like, and people are living paycheck to paycheck. So that 40%, they're completely underwater. Yeah. But I mean, what's been able to get them by over the past 20 years is lower interest rates. As yeah. interest rates continue to fall, continue to fall, continue to fall, it's that thing we talked about in the question you brought up of like, well, isn't it a wash if it goes up 50 grand here, they got to go yeah. buy another house over there. Right. And it's like, it is essentially a wash, but if interest rates keep lowering, then prices continue to rise and that's more money in the economy. Eventually, when that music stops, when interest rates can't go lower anymore, that and because they've tried doing negative interest rates across the world and it's not it doesn't work like yeah. they thought it would work. To where when interest rates flow, like they have and that's why the Federal Reserve adjusted their policies, like we have to get growth, real growth, not yeah. fake growth off of just literally lower interest rates and prices increasing because interest rates have fallen and now it just kind of those two work on a seesaw. To where if it hits zero, it's like we can't go any lower. Like you have to get real growth in the economy. We have to create new services. And that's the thing we were. So uh, right before we started this, we were talking about, you know, these uh, the, the next article that we were going to talk about is uh, these zombie firms. That's exactly where right. I was gonna so go. you, you have to talk about real growth. How's the zombie uh, firms going to help? So the first you got to define what like a zombie company is. A zombie company is somebody that can't cover their debt and their interest payments off of their growth. So say they make a million dollars a year, but their interest payments are um, $1,100,000. But they're a massive conglomerate with a bunch of cash. So that, <laughs> yeah. But where they where it becomes a zombie company is it can't grow. It's losing cash every year. It's Its market share can't go up anymore. And what's going to happen, they say one in five corporations is a zombie company. You, the example in the article was of an oil company to where their stock price like two years ago, five years ago was hovering around like $50, $80. And now because it's zombie status, it's down at one. But a bank, instead of taking that loss, just refinances the debt. They know it's coming eventually, but they're like, well, we're just going to re keep refinancing debt. Oh, the Federal Reserve is pumping a bunch more money into it. Well, it'll just kind of give you more money. Oh, interest rates dropped again. We'll lower your interest rate to give it to you. And it's disincentivizing real conservative growth of an actual company. And where this really hurts is because if this company now knows like, well, it's just kind of a race to the bottom now. If they're in a competitive market and the company's trying to actually make a profit, they say we need to sell it at $60 because we that's our bottom line for us to actually turn a profit. A zombie company come in here like, well, we're already screwed. Uh, it costs us $50 to make it. We're going to sell it for 51 and try to make a little bit of profit on it or just make it a neutral thing just to kind of keep the status quo yeah. to where now that competitive company can't compete with this lower company. And they suck the market share and they try to grow off of fake growth of just hovering in that, oh, one year we can barely cover our debt. The next year we lose a little money. So, so you have companies that are actually sound and have a profitable business model being brought down by companies that are essentially bankrupt, but the banks are not letting them fall. So now this company is taking more market share from this one that could continue to grow and produce more jobs just because this one's just becoming pretty much a leech 
and yeah. just stealing all this. And that kind of, you know. Well, and it also brings to it that, that and more that they can't raise interest rates. Because yeah. if they raise an interest rate a percent, now that loan goes backwards where they go to losing $100,000 a year to $300,000 a year just because they refinance the debt. Or eventually it's going to be like, we can't refinance anymore. But it, right When's now. When's that going to happen? I, I don't know. That, that's just like, well, that's going to happen. Like, what's this going to do long term? But I, I mean, I do have faith in America. Like, the, today's problems are new, but they had the same problems in the 1930s. They had not the same problems, but they had real problems in the 1930s. And people did figure out a way. New policies came about. People were smart. And they did figure out a way to make it work. Society doesn't just blow up in it. Yeah. It's like something does eventually happen that fixes it and you do get growth. And I do believe it will come. But being prepared for that time when things are shifting around, things are getting rocked around, like you have foreclosures, you have bankruptcies, you have everything. Like you need to make sure you can withstand that time period just i mean just like right now like we talk about in our like the wholesale business yeah. like these guys for real estate it's like they weren't building sound business there. they made money they spent it made money spent it they didn't have the cash to withstand a couple like even a month yeah. without getting a deal and when everything changed nobody was buying for one month they're out of business it's like you have to have a pool of cash for a runway to where like the airlines they're like they had to get a huge bailout in march when everything just started in march like they didn't have enough cash to run even like a couple yeah. months. I mean, I think the only the only airline was uh, Delta, I believe, that actually had their shit together. Where they were like, yeah, we're we're fine. What was it? It was like Ford back in two thousand eight. Yeah, like Ford, the big motor companies were like, we need bailouts, or we're going to go under and lay off everybody, we're going to go bankrupt. But like Ford was like, actually, we're kind of good. Yeah, but the government still forced them to take money. But of now course. Ford's in trouble. Well, and that's now. that kind of takes us into the stimulus talk, right? So we continue with this whole freaking stimulus political game that they're doing, and you have you know uh, Nancy Pelosi they proposed two point two trillion dollars, so. You have her and the, sec uh, the Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. Mnuchin, um, that freaking name. But he, can't, he, he keeps saying Munchin. It's, like, it's not Munchin. It's Mnuchin. Whatever. But you, that's that's even the Treasury Secretary. Why he's pushing so hard for it is because the Fed needs more money. The Fed needs them to throw in another stimulus and big stimulus package so the Fed can print more money and do more um, printing for the government, for the economy, because now they want to bail out. And this is just for right now, what they say, $25 billion for the airlines. This, so this is my problem with bailing out the airlines. Until there's a vaccine, I was reading, uh, I can't remember where I was reading it. I'll, I'll try to link it below later. But they were saying how when this first happened, airlines went down 97%, right, of uh, people traveling. 97. Year, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, so pretty much nobody was flying. Damn it. Nobody was flying. Now they're down to 70%. Still a ridiculously high number. Airlines are, don't have a large profit margin. So at 70%, that's a huge freaking problem, especially as we're getting towards the holiday season when, you know, a lot of these companies like retail and everything, they work on cycles too, where it's like, yeah, yeah we're not making as much here, but we know we're going to kill it here. Where the airlines, it's like, we didn't make jack shit for the last couple months. We're still not making anything. And we're still not going to be making anything. Because what happens is that you still have a lot of states 
where people would naturally travel to go visit their family where they're not going to because it's not, they're well, going to quarantine. They're going to do all this. So, oh, hold on. It, where I'm going at is $25 billion to bail out these airlines that may not be recovering for at least a year probably. Or more. Or yeah, more because, more. again, going back to businesses. Businesses, business owners have realized how they don't have to pay first class for their executives well, to travel. I was getting at. Hotels, like- travel, Uber Excel, strip clubs, wherever the hell they go when they go to these business trips. They can do all these business meetings through Zoom. Yeah, well, that was the point I was getting ready to make. Is like airlines didn't make money off of your leisure travel person. Yeah. They made money off of your first class corporate CEOs that had the extra money saying like, I want first class treatment. Yeah. Business travels. That's where the corp- airlines really actually made their money. But now you have these corporate CEOs of just being like, huh, our business has actually been able to sustain maybe a little bit of hit. Like the, the yeah. people don't like it as much. They like it to travel, but I'm not paying for an entire week to fly an executive or an upper level management person first class out to a week to a hotel for this big convention and stuff like that. All the expenses, all of that savings. They can see their business is still able to produce and it's adapting and it's growing. And yeah. all of that money just drops straight to the bottom line. I mean, that there's nowhere for that else to go. Because to they're profit. making the same income but that's and their expenses went way to hell way down. down. Well, not even, maybe not the same income. Say it dropped 20% because, yeah, you're not getting the business deals coming from flying over to do that stuff. But the cost, your budget for that went to zero yeah. off of that. And that's a huge portion of their budget. So it's like, Wow, that's a that's a pretty big thing. We're not saying like these airlines and stuff aren't going to come back eventually. Like I think it's going to take a long time for that to come back, and their previous business model is not going to be the same in five years as it was last year. Yeah. So our, a lot of these places and just throwing money at them is just going to make the problem last longer because the longer you give them money, the less time they're going to spend adapting to survive. They're going to try to keep the status quo and then just kicking the can down the road even further. Towards like stop kicking the can and like let people deal with it. And that's what sucks so much right now is the longer this goes on, the more life adapts to its current status quo. If this would have started in March and it basically would have been over by summertime and we could have recovered back the way things were, yeah, it would have been just like night and day in five years, you probably wouldn't have told much of the difference. But now the longer this goes, the more people are like, I have to make money. I have to adapt my business. I have to get things going mm-hmm. to work. But, and they're not letting this die because they've yeah. turned it made it so political well, on the stimulus that, and the coronavirus. But like, the longer you go, the more change is going to happen. Yeah. And they keep kicking this can down the road. It's like, stop doing that. Let the economy realize like where it's at and have false intervention and let it get to where it needs to be. We need this growth yeah. across the country, but just throwing money at it and letting people stay in their old ways is not going to be the twenty first, the 2021, 2022 beyond economy. Like, so throwing money at it doesn't solve the problem. You need to get real growth. What, what was funny is I was watching an interview uh, Gary Vaynerchuk did, and he was saying, you know, everybody talks about, oh, I'm a capitalist, free market, capitalism, free market, I'm a capitalist. But when this all happened, it's like, oh, the government needs to give me money. The government needs to bail out my business. The government needs to take care of me. He's like, Where's your entrepreneurial, you know, abilities and your capitalism? Like, why don't you adapt and work on a business that maybe will thrive in this economy? Why don't you shift? Why don't you prepare? Why don't you have the reserves? Like, you're a capitalist when everything is good. Yeah. Yet when things go bad, oh, help me, you know. Yeah. And it's and, and that's kind of so, kind of on that point though. Are you saying then that you're more of the 
point of view of no more stimulus moving forward? Like, wh what are you saying? Uh, like, no more money? I'm not at a high enough level economically to make a call. No, of course. No you're, you're, this is but, our opinion. We're not but by any I means. I do think some stimulus does make sense because I'm, I'm a big follower of Ray Dalio, mm -hmm. largest headphones manager, Bridgewater Associates, very smart person, obviously. Um, but yeah. it, I think where they're spending it and how they're spending it is a waste. To where I think where his thing is like you need to get money into the hands of that people that move the economy and move the needle. Bailing out corporations, bailing out big hedge funds and stuff like that, or like airlines and stuff like that's not money well spent. Where we're talking about the things that we're just talking about. It's like business travel is gonna take a long time to recover, and that's where the airlines made their money. So keeping people on a payroll for something that's not happening isn't gonna move the needle because these people are like, oh, I'm kind of scared about my uh, future, so I'm just gonna hold on to all my cash. Yeah. To where he thinks that, and it's not saying universal based income per se, but it's like you need to get money to the bottom of the economy and you need do need to bring the bottom of the economy up to where they can spend money. How you go about doing that, I don't know. But they do need yeah. to get money to your, like say, bottom 50% of the economy to where those people go out and spend goods and can raise their lifestyles and can move up. Because it's the same thing, like the higher and more income you make, the less and less you spend on security and things like that. It becomes more of a leisure aspect where uh, Molly Hernandez just put in here uh, a comment. So that I would prefer travel for an in-person meeting. Zoom is great for short and sweet to the point meetings. I 100% agree. Yeah. But I still think it's going to be a long time for these people to recover that because these CEOs are short on money. Yeah. They're short on capital, cash hand to hand. And they're seeing these massive reserves that are coming in by not having this travel, like we need that just to sustain our business. We don't want to go borrow more. Like you could, I'm sure it's not all companies are bad. Use four out of five aren't zombie companies to where they do see like we have a real problem. Yeah. We are going to hold on to this cash so we can reinvest it to sustain core business aspects of it. We can adapt for the short time, year or two to get, use Zoom, use these in-person means, adjust things, and then let things slowly get back to it but yeah. you need to take <clears throat> money out stop pumping money to companies like that it's like you need to get money to the bottom 50 percent to bring the economy up somehow but i'm in disagreement with the level of the stimulus and where that money's being sent well I, what, what i'm curious about is last time that they presented um what was it that, like the 3.3 trillion dollar stimulus the first one they had stuff in that stimulus package that had nothing to do oh, with stimulus. Oh, like CARES Act, there was one in there for like $25 million for a museum. Yeah. Like, why are or, we or, or freeing pre prisoners for, I don't even know what was the reason. And I'm not saying that that shouldn't be done or, or should be done. What I'm saying is that has nothing to do with the stimulus of the economy. So that's where I think the holdup is with a lot of this stuff and what, you know, the back and forth. But before we move with that, like Molly was saying, you know, no stimulus but that means everything needs to open up so the job market has true mid to senior level jobs for people who lost their jobs and entry level isn't going to cut them, cut it for them. So if you're not opening the economy, stimulus is needed. Um, she said, no stimulus, autocorrect, y'all. No, but I, um, I, I agree 100%. Where, where I'm going at is more like, let's, so no stimulus, right, for the airlines. Pilots make good money. Mm -hmm. So if 25,000 people, and that's just right now, 
Uh, they're talking about that's right now for sure that they're cutting 25,000 jobs if they don't get this money right now. And then more to come, right? Which they've already um, been off on their projections in a bad way where they were like, oh, no, this is going to be good until next year. And they're like, oh, no, actually, we're crashing now. So we're cutting these jobs now. So pilots make good money. That's 25,000, 30,000 people, whatever it is, that are no longer having that income, that disposable income, all that to be able to move the economy. So they're going to be affected. Last, uh, in 2008 and everything, there are a lot of pilots that were st stocking shelves on Home Depot, mm -hmm. right? Because pilot, I mean, what the hell it's, other it's skill not, set do they have? It's not a transfer. It, exactly. It so we're like, there are pilots that make sick, well into the six figures, great retirements, everything like that. And yeah, how's that skill transferred or anything? And that does become a problem because now it's like, that's high level debt that has been taken on for their housing, their lifestyles. And they say a lot of pilots still live paycheck to paycheck yeah. or within like a couple of months of going bankrupt to where that's a massive amount of debt that would hurt the economy. So you do have that aspect of it too that they are seeing, but then it's still like, but yes, that's disincentivizing. Like people need to learn their lesson. The austerity you're talking yeah. about, like it does suck, but a good economic reset does produce higher growth on the other side of that trade. My, my question is more like, if you're going to fund the airlines, instead of funding the airlines for them to keep on pilots that are not going to be flying anytime soon or doing jack shit anytime soon, why isn't that money used to instead help the pilots acquire skills that might help them in the job meantime? training? Exactly. Something that it's like, <clears throat> and not that it's going to make you not want to be a pilot moving forward because I, I, we know pilots that they love what they do and they make really good money. So yeah. it's like they're going to come back. But in the meantime, why don't we give them training and, and something that they can do right now, and especially that they're sitting on their ass, learning something that can generate the income that they're going to need so we don't have to keep bailing these people out. Like why isn't the stimulus more geared towards that and less geared towards, you know, that uh, her Pelosi, she had put on this one, on the 2.2 trillion, that they want to do the $600 a week thing again for the unemployment. It's like it showed when they were doing that, people weren't even trying to go to work. They're yeah. like, screw this. I'm making a shit ton more money by staying home, right? Expenses, you know, people were spending money at home. But it's also like we talked about last time, it's relative where it's at. When you look at it, it's red versus blue. <clears throat> blue is much higher tax, more expensive cost of living to where they, that's what I said, they want the $600 because 50 grand in LA is nothing compared to 50 grand here in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Or Florida, Georgia, Alabama. It hurts those economies, but it keeps them afloat. It goes back to why. Uh, they want so much money for the state and local municipalities like we were talking about before we started this. Right. And it's like they need that money just to break even. And But the middle states are like, we don't need that much to where there has to be a balance between it. And that's where they're negotiating between to where uh, we can go into like Trump's flip-flopping to where he gets the coronavirus on Friday. Saturday, he comes out and says Congress needs to get the stimulus package done now. The day he gets back from uh, treatment, Tuesday, we're calling off talks. The next day, Wednesday, he comes out, but we should do the $1,200 a person stimulus. We should do the airline businesses. We should do this. So it's like, now here's a bunch of bills like, what are you doing, man? You're saying, yes. Pick no, a lane. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yeah. And like, so now you just have everybody just like, what the well, is going on? Look at, look at the stock market. It goes up. 
down, up, down, up, down. Yeah, you want it's to talk like, about power. Right, what are we doing here? You want to talk about power, like, in, in not insider training, where you're, like, training on that, but it's like, God, one person can come out and say it, and it's like, boom, oh, there might be a sales <clears> up 2%, but we're calling up talks down 3 Towards like, my God. To where I, I don't know which direction it's going to go. I think something is eventually going to get done, but yeah. I think that's their sticking point is because we've let this these some of these bad habits go on for too long, and east is basically east and west versus central and south. Yeah, that there's such a discrepancy between income levels and needs that if they were much closer together, and uh, as far as like living conditions and, and capital uh, requirements. I think a deal would be much easier to strike. But since these areas have grown so far apart, now you have these arguments where it's like, we want we want a hundred or say a hundred billion dollars. Like, well, the Midwest and the South only need fifty billion. Like, why would we give you a hundred billion? That's your fault. You need a hundred billion, we only need fifty. So there's gonna be a negotiation from that. And what you're going to see from that is they say they need a hundred, the Midwest needs fifty. It's going to be Midwest is going to get 75 and the West is going to get 75. They're going to meet in the middle, say somewhere in between. But now these Midwest and South coasts have more money in their budgets to go do stuff with. And the, the coasts yeah. have less money in their budgets from what they are needing. And that's where you're going to see the, and I mean, you look at it on a macroeconomic scale, you're going to see things flow and balance out to where they are closer together. Where you're already seeing with populations, all the stuff we talk about, the East coasts and the West coasts, of their rents dropping, people leaving, people fleeing, um, everything falling. But in the mid and south, it's booming and going up. So you're having that one side's coming down while the other side's benefiting from it. And it's going to be another thing on top of it. If they get the money, they get the stimulus, that same exact thing is going to continue to happen. Well, I mean, one of the things is um, I was trying to look for it. Can't, can't really find it right now. But people are arguing that they're like, see, capitalism doesn't work. I'm like, all right, first of all, let's understand what capitalism is. You understand? Like, you obviously don't understand what capitalism is. Is Capitalism, you have the freedom. <clears throat> Who was it? Oh, Ben David, he had put it. It's like, you have the freedom to try, the freedom to succeed, but you also have the freedom to fail. Yeah. And that's the freedom they took away. Yeah. So this is not capitalism. In 2008, the too big to fail. I mean, they, they, they created a great documentary that, all of you guys need to go see, and it's still relevant. The the movie The Big Short, another excellent uh, movie slash documentary. Um, too big to fail. Bailed out all these banks. Made them, you know, they made them virtually impossible to fail. So you're pretty much saying, like, look, go into business, take a, increase your risk tremendously, so then that way you can't fail. That's all you got to do. I mean, when you look at these big companies and these big corporations, what is the goal? The goal is for you to launch, start raising so much stupid capital, regardless if your company makes money or not, as long as the idea is really cool and it's, you know, hashtag awesome. Um, you raise all this insane amount of capital and then you become too big to fail, right? And then you become a company that they can't fire and they can't let you fall. You so now it's company. like, you don't, you become a zombie company. Exactly. So, Another capitalism, oh, sorry, but like that's what when people are saying capitalism doesn't work. No, capitalism does work. It's just capitalism hasn't been implemented for quite some time right well, now. It's, it's and the, it's not it's letting like, it's the boom time. Like 
the old saying that it's like great times create weak men, weak men create weak times, weak times create strong men, strong men equal create great times. To where you look at like the greatest American generation is would be our great grandparents. Yeah, great grandparents, World War Great Depression, World War Two, and that boom time that took off after that. To yeah. where we were the top dogs at the time, because everywhere else around the other economies that sustained the world, Europe and China and the Middle East, China didn't even really exist back in that time. Yeah. And then Japan was destroyed to where it was the American economy. We were, that's all it. And it was a great time. Yeah. The strong men created great times. Now we've been in great times for a long time where it's creating weak men that come along with it that this crony capitalism came in after like 2000, uh, the, the recessions we had where it's like, oh, let's just pump money in. Lower interest rates, lower interest rates, lower, 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 where this growth has been based off of lower interest rates. Another great documentary to add to this was, uh, I think you watched it, the, the Inside Job. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one I, that one was great because that's, that's more so, documentary yeah, style the than the Big Short was more of just a movie. And uh, But it was about the housing crisis. But it was about it was, 2000. Yeah. It was leading up to 2008 and stuff like that of how they were able to manipulate the system to take money for themselves because they knew they were too big to fail gambling. They knew this was going to happen. They knew people weren't going to be able to afford this stuff, but they know they can run to the U.S. government and say, hey, uh, we got a problem. And if you don't bail us out, we're laying off a bunch of people and the whole world's going to fail because the financial system fell apart. Yeah. So that's where I, well, I'm not a fan of this crony capitalism aspect of it at all. So that's where it comes to. But the problem becomes like, as soon as you get the taste of that free money, it's like, more addictive than heroin, they say, because like once you got it, you continue to get it because it's cheap. It's great. The growth is awesome. And it grows and grows and grows to the point now we're at like, shit, we can't even raise the interest rates. One percent without the economy falling. It was at was it zero percent for seven years after 2008. And they tried to raise it from 2018 to two percent. And by the end of 2019, they're already bringing rates back down. Like yeah. the economy could not withstand any form of interest rate rise. To even get to the 2% where it hasn't been forever. And now they're saying like, shit, we just got to blow asset bubbles everywhere and let them pop and hope that the market can withstand it. Well, but that's the problem, right? Is that they're they're literally, because of all these bailouts, have created weak companies, you know, weak men and women, all right? And non-gender binary individuals, whatever you want to... LGBTQPIZCTQ. Yeah, the whole alphabet, all right? Well, everybody's still stupid. doesn't matter how you classify yourself. But you have all this that it's created all these weak people, weak businesses. That now it's like, yes, they need to be cleaned out. It needs to get purged because it's like the business models these people have created... Do not work. Well, that's what, like, what made, besides are the U.S. economy being such the top dog after World War II, is, like, what gave them that room to growth? The depression from 10 years before that, that said there was room to run. Yeah. And, and they say that's, like, that's what brought people out of the Great Depression and why when the government blew its debt to kingdom come for world, to, to fund World War II, but now they had the capacity afterward to actually grow because there was oh, a that's massive right. recession before that where massive innovation could take place. Yeah, that's why yeah. I love when they, when they criticize now. Uh, they even criticize Obama. It doesn't matter who the president is, but they criticize him on, you know, oh, but look at the deficit. Look how much the deficit is growing. It's like, how is the deficit not going to grow? The status quo has been set. Where now you're bailing out. You have to print. You have to bail out. You have to give money away. You're not, you're giving money to companies that are not generating. How can our GDP grow 
when all you're doing is throwing good money after more bad money and it, it just goes into an endless pit that doesn't come out anywhere where instead why don't you take the trillions of dollars you want to print and actually invest it into nanotechnology you know all the new things that are coming up so we can actually grow a thriving company the, the instead of worrying sector, about like, you know the, the steel industry and the fucking mills the dinosaurs the 20th century versus 21st century uh, uh, argument but i mean something i just thought of right there is what if this is the quote unquote perfect scenario to where our recessions never drop as low but our boom times never get as high to where it used to have much more volatile but the trajectory was up so now what if you have more frequent recessions but the growth times are shorter lived but they don't go as high but the recessions are like this last one uh is shorter but doesn't drop as far because to where it balances out more and more because you look at um japan to where their economy example well their well my example is like their economy has been basically roughly stagnant since the 90s yeah over 20 years and their gdp is like 250 percent yeah. But they're just kind of just slowly chugging along. They're never getting four percent growth, but they're never dropping at zero percent growth. They're just like one twos. What one, do you two. think? What but do you think that does to capitalism? Though? What do you think that does to free enterprises, to entrepreneurs? Where the the whole point, the whole reason, and I believe capital asset pricing model. He he said it. You know, capitalism is the is the freedom to try. For all, but without the guarantee of success. Yeah. You know, very well put where it's like capitalism and and free market and all that is the the peaks and the lows. I mean, in our own business, how many peaks and lows do we go through continuously? Right. But if it was a business and and let's look at it ourselves. Right. If this if our business was just more like how excited are we going to be? to be working in this because uh, it's like sure. we we need that pressure right I think good, it, I think good will, innovation good ideas stifle, need the pressure it will stifle innovation you just look at europe yeah uh, for stand, a standpoint they were talking about it on the Bet david show about uh like why they this uh, the guy founder of spotify he's like why are our tech companies falling behind clown. he's like i need to create we need to create a tech hub like silicon valley yeah it's like well it's too segmented over there and there's no innovation over there because their taxes are too high and that's what matt david said it's like I'm going to pump a billion dollars in the economy, but then the government goes, well, whoa, hold on. But, well, we need $300 million of that to fund all these pet projects of ours. Exactly. Where it's like, screw it. And that's why you're innovation and it's not really taking place over in these other countries because they're so indebted with taxes and it does stifle innovation. Yeah. Where America has had the freedom to run, but now – they're like the only ones left standing on that to where if we join in the race that it's you're going to stifle innovation but it's the same thing like everyone's stifled along at the same exact time to where it does suck it's not going to be as exciting but it's not going to be as depressing for por- portions of the economy yeah but then you when st- it just runs along but exactly that you stifle innovation and at the end of the day what's going to happen is another country is going to implement the model then it's going to bring in innovation. oh i mean they're still playing, that's why yeah the innovation markets yeah innovation is what the u.s is known for all the greatest idea that china's stolen has come from the u.s right because oh and, and it's not like Bro, you know godzilla, godzilla come on that was a good one i'm sure we had something <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things that's like you know aside from flying karate like they don't they don't really you stifle that drive and and it's also with the stimulus packages of you know six hundred dollars a week 
you stifle that want for somebody to be like, you know what, shit, I need to take care of my family. I need to, you know, do something to make sure that we're taken care of. So I need to learn something. Maybe I need to learn how to code. Maybe I need to learn how to invest or, you know, we need to take care of our finances. Like it, we go back to kind of the conversation we always have is personal responsibility. When you get hit, it takes it, it's, it's a moment where you step back and you're like, all right, let me reassess. But if you're not getting hit because every time daddy's there with the credit card, don't worry. I know you're stupid, but here's more money. It's like, when are you going to learn? When are you going to improve? When are you going to innovate? When are you going to make it better for yourself? And we keep going back to the same thing. It's creating weak men. What I'm worried about is and the idea that you have is it's creating weak men. So now does this mean that they're going to strive more for Japan and kill entrepreneurism in, in tech in, uh in the U.S.? You know, because they're like, oh, hold on. We don't want our people to suffer that much because it doesn't look good for us when we want to get reelected. So let's take care of them. Let's make sure. And that is more of the long the lines of socialism. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, no, 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 no. You can't make too much money. We got to give some of that away, even though, yes, I get it. You innovated, you took a lot of risk and you worked really hard. I appreciate it. Let me take all your earnings. Um, and then the other ones, oh, you don't want to work? That's okay. We got you covered. Here's some free money. You relax, drink some coffee. I lived in Spain for four years where they have socialism as a, a policy. And people just don't care to work. They don't work. They don't move. You go to try to go get lunch at two o'clock and everyone's taking naps. It's like, it's hard. everybody working? Yeah, like, it, it's like hard to go places. You know, they, they stay out late because it's like, who cares? Our jobs, our responsibilities are not as bad. So you have all of this. And then it, there's no innovation in those countries. And, I mean, that's I mean, I'm worried shit that that's exactly where this is going to go, too. And it, it is scary. But it's also like when you look at our political system and our economy, the way it runs, where it's like when you have unlimited term limits in the Senate, it's like. They have to do the things to make sure they get reelected. But if that's why I was a fan of saying, you know what, two term president, four years, do away with it. It's one term, six years. So the entire time you're focused on running the country, not okay. going four years, because that's what I say. A lot of things Trump are saying are saying, I'm going to vote for Trump again because he really didn't get a fair shot the first four years because he had to make sure he gets reelected. But now that his next four years, he can't. He can actually do the things and not care and actually be a businessman running a country as well, a company and, like and you be. you that you're a huge fan of regulation and the government stepping in that oh, is something that where the government should step in and regulate is term limits it's like you cannot be a career politician you can't be like joe biden 47 years in politics and you just been in politics like you know you haven't really moved the needle in any yeah, way you're a career politician that's how you make your money you know you you lobby and you, and you get other people to pay you and, and give you kickbacks and all this so you push laws like those incentives i think are terrible i mean and this is something i told you what was it a few years ago that i said we need to make enough money so we can buy politicians you know because that's how you play the game yeah that's how everybody plays the game they buy the politicians and they set their laws they set their you know all the stuff they for years yeah. and that's what i think like the economy would benefit greatly by saying there are term limits on everybody and it's like Hey, you only get to get two, three terms on the Senate side. As a president, you only get one term. Six years, that's all you get. To where it's like, hey, you got six years to implement your policies and you're out. So you're not spending three years 
trying to be politically correct, spending the last year trying to get reelected, not stepping on too many toes, doing the things to make sure you get reelected to where, I mean, we have actually a very smart audience. So we have Molly over here saying, you know, without the concept of true loss, no one will work hard and they will just stay stagnant a hundred percent. And then you have Dre talking about how Delta, what we were talking earlier, um, how Delta had plenty of reserves and they don't need a bailout and the other airlines should fail and Delta should pretty much take what's there and other companies are going to come up. It's not going to be a monopoly. There's going to be other companies innovate and do other shit. Well, that's sort of thing. You, if they get too big and they screw up, they need to fail. Yeah. It's like, that's where it is. It's like, I'm sorry, you get too big, you screw up. Taxpayers not coming to save you. It's like, you need to let those people fail. So there's room to grow. But when you have these bad actors in there holding everything at the top, buying out everybody underneath, there's no innovation. That was the thing where I talked about last week of like Facebook, all these big tech companies being able to stifle innovation yeah. to where there's antitrust suits coming out against those companies saying you have too much power and you're not creating innovation. But the way their lobbyists are into it, I was reading an article on it that it could take years, decades for something to come out of this finding. They said, you guys are infringing use antitrust lawsuit. You guys are going to be broken up. But now it's for years on how you go about doing that. Yeah. And I agree. It's like you can't have two, three carriers. You know, they look at the uh, airline industry manufacturers. You got two companies around the entire world that you got uh, Boeing and Airbus in Europe. And it's like, but they're heavily government subsidized. Yeah. So we're to just like, we can't lay off people. Well, and you, you have the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, that has said that, you know, again, with the fear mongering, warned that of a weak U.S. recovery without sufficient government relief and argued that there would be no problems created by providing too much aid. I mean, if anybody's listening and that doesn't sound like an oxymoron to you, it's insane because it's like you're printing and more and more money and you're saying no problem is going to come from that. But because you're looking at today, you're not looking at what you're building. We go back to the same thing. And, and Molly habits. said it very well, where it's like suffering builds character. And you do not want people to suffer. And and I'm actually going through that. I have a five-year-old and I'm always thinking about like, I want to, you know, he's obviously going to have a much better life than I did, right? I came to this country as an immigrant. We struggled and all that. He doesn't have any of that. I'm yeah. better off. He's going to be better off. But I also, I'm thinking like, how can I create struggle in his life so he doesn't become a dependent person? Somebody that needs to be helped out, somebody that needs handouts. 100%. And that is exactly what they're doing with this is they're creating more and more people that are going to be more and more dependent companies, everything that are going to be more dependent. I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but it's it's a very serious issue. And Dre says Power Rangers originally came from that way. I do not know what you mean about the Power Rangers came from that way. Um I, I would like an explanation on that. I'm actually curious what, what you mean with the Power Rangers. Don't remember yeah. that far back. Let's see what Zuckerberg uh, um, just put on there. Who? Uh, most latest comment. Not crazy. Oh, but... I got to scroll. <laughs> I got to scroll. <laughs> Oops. But it, it's, so, it's a great so comment. Elizabeth says, when our kids get out of line, we'll tell them they don't have enough problems and we'd be happy to help. They usually straighten up. Wonder if we could tell the airlines the same things. I mean, I think it's not just airlines. It's it's just they're just the punching bag right now because they're getting another bailout. But it's still they're twenty five billion of a 
$2.2 trillion package, like very small percentage of that, even though we're talking billions and trillions of dollars. Jordan, it's, like the rest of it, it's like, it's it's across, everywhere that money's going. It's just the action. Yeah. It's the action. It's, 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 it's the stimulus package. Yeah. It's the boosted unemployment. It's, it's the fact that it's like, it, it could be a very small amount of money, but it's still an amount of money to an industry that needs to fail. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is. So let's move on to our last topic and we need to wrap up because uh, we, we have things to do today. Um, and that is... Trump refuses to participate in virtual debate. So they, the commission for the debates came out and said, we're not doing an impersonal debate uh, anymore. It's going to be virtual. Trump says, all right, screw that. I'm not doing minutes it. Minutes later. I mean, there's nothing. They came out and said that within a couple of minutes. He's like, not doing it. Nope. I'm, I'm going to hold a rally then. I'm going to hold the rally. I'm going to hold the rally and I'm gonna, he's going to do his thing. What do you think about that? You think he's making the right call? No, I don't think he is making the right call because, like, it's regardless. Like, people want to see debate. Like, I, and like, I hate the way he debated. Like, I just watched clips of the VP debate. And, like, that was a debate to where there's a little bit of interrupting, and then they kind of let each other talk and like kind of get over, stumble yeah. over each other's words. To where the first debate of the presidency is just blah, 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 where he interrupted him like 170 times, and Biden interrupted Trump like 99 times or something like that. They're like, oh my God, this sucks. To where I would like to actually see, give them a chance to answer their questions and they rebut like how an actual debate is supposed to be. To where I think it would be good to have a virtual aspect to it. To where it's like now we can actually have them talk and hear what they have to say, not just blah, 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 yelling over each other. Like, what substance did you get from this? Hell, I don't know what it was. To where I would like to, me personally, I would like to see that kind of debate. Like, so, so pretty much. Have them both, let's say, you know, through Zoom or whatever. And Biden is talking, Trump is muted. So even if he wants to go crazy, he can't. Well, that, I would but like that, to... that's what I think Trump doesn't want. He wants to be able to interrupt. He wants to be able to cut off Biden, not let him get his thoughts across. And and it works both ways. It's just Trump is much louder. But yeah. you know, he he doesn't want him to get his thoughts across or any of that. He wants no, to. No, he doesn't. But dominating. I'd love to see. It's like all right. He's on his screen talking where everyone's seeing Biden right now. Now, Trump doesn't need to go on the fly. So he needs to actually listen, be analytical about what he's saying, and craft his own responses. So when he comes, he can say, all right, you said this. You're, this you're is asking why this a lot of Trump. I know. And that's what that's why I like, I'm, don't have a lot of – I don't like the guy. I wouldn't want to hang out with the guy uh, by any means. But I would love to see that to where it's like you actually have to craft a response based on what they said. And you have to go back and forth. To where it's not two minutes, maybe it's a little bit longer because now you need the time to collect your thoughts. You've got your team of analysts behind you trying to say, all right, what's the best response to this? Not just on the fly, scrambling and throwing things out, trying to trip each other up. Like they'll trip up themselves enough, especially in a town hall aspect where the questions aren't quite prompted, to yeah. where the audience gets to ask a random question and they get to respond. Yeah. I would love to see that drive on the fly, they have to answer a question, and then the next person has to think about the response and not just blabble on and go on some tangent and cut each other off forever. I would love to see that. Well, I think he's making the wrong call. Um, but well, I mean, Valeria says, I don't agree with him debating in public if he's positive for COVID, but if they're going to let him continue to campaign, they might as well have the debate. And yeah, I mean, that's, he's, he did, he had COVID, he was positive for COVID, like damn near half the people in the White House had COVID. So it's like, well, if this is as bad as all of you guys are saying, then you shouldn't be allowed to hold a rally either. Because then now you just 
contaminated 20,000 people or however well, many that's show up. Like, so it's what like, is, what, what does that truth? look like? And that's where, the, like, I think it's like... Well, they keep flip-flopping on what yeah, the truth is. First it's airborne, then it's not know. airborne. The mass help, they don't help. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's like if you're... But then it's, it's the same thing where, like, if he's better, why can't you hold it in person? It's like, I think they're trying to figure out ways to where a lot of people didn't like the way Trump kept interrupting, interrupting. So they're trying to find ways of saying, like, all right, how can we create a debate and have the ability to control people interrupting back and forth. Well, that digitally creates two things. You now keep the people safe, um, the two candidates safe mm-hmm. from each other, especially Trump's now asymptomatic that, or he's got the antibodies to where Biden still doesn't have it to where it's like, we need to keep people safe, but we have the benefit of saying, all right, you're two minutes, Trump, you're, you're muted for now. <laughs> it's your turn to talk. The town yeah. hall, you get an answer. Now, Biden, you're done. Trump, you get to talk. Well, I mean, the, the issue with that is who the moderator is. So like, um, I didn't time it because I don't care as much, but there's been people saying how during the Kamala Pence debate, Kamala was allowed much more time than Pence on the supposed two minutes every time she spoke, supposedly. I don't know. I didn't time it. I don't I give two shits. My thing is, like, if we keep having these moderators that are left, then they're always going to cut Trump off. And they're only going to let Biden talk. So I think that level of manipulation. You have that level to it. That's probably something he's hinging on. Of like, oh, well, they're just going <clears> to <throat> cut me off and not let me have my time. Like, we're not going to play that game. I want to be in person to do this. But it, that's really this whole political Well, then, then you got to be more strategic now. with your time. I mean, you can't just keep spewing off venom and just saying how stupid the other person well, is. How about you actually talk what your policies are and what is it that... Because that's what most of these debates are. That's why they're so stupid. Because they spend the whole time saying how the other one's terrible, but they never spend the time saying, what are we going to do to move forward? What are we going to implement? What our policies are? They never do. And you have it. You had it on the debate uh, with the VPs that all they debated was she kept attacking them. And he kept saying, well, what is? what are your plans? What are you going to do? What are your plans? What are you going to do? And she kept, you know, pushing the conversation in a different direction. So it's like. That's all they do. That's all yeah. these debates are. That's why, to me, they, they are a huge waste of time because they're not moderated correctly. And the the, um, the candidates need to be held to some form of standard where it's like, look, if you're not going to answer the question, there's no debates. And good luck whoever gets elected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's like, just, all right. This is going to be a mess. Let's and like, a little to, to kind of wrap up here, we got a couple minutes left. Um, I want to read a suburb that we get from one of, got from one of our favorite entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. Patrick Bed David. He started our mastermind with it the other day, and he also texted out and he talked about it. And what he said was, as a quick reminder, the next four weeks will be filled with more distractions than, any, than potentially any four-week period in our lifetime. The key is to take everything at face value and only give credence to stories with valid sources. If you let it consume your mind, you'll end up having a weak fourth quarter. If you win the next four weeks, you'll win the fourth quarter. Time to stay focused. And I think that's 100% to where like you read the news, you're going to get Biden's going to win, your Trump's going to win. Like it's only going to increase yeah. the next couple weeks. And then even after that, I don't think it's going to be four weeks. I think it's going to be closer to eight to 12 At with least, the yeah. mail in voting, people saying they're not going to do it. Like it's just more and more and more distracting. And it becomes that self reinforcing circle. Like you're going to see it across Facebook, you're going to see it across the news, you're going to see it across everywhere. It's like, just delete it. The world's not going to end. Well, the life is going to go on past this. And the 
focus on your own little circle of things that you can control. Yes, your life is affected some way, shape or form by whoever is president at the current time, but it's not going to be a drastic change where one day you're making a bunch more, the next day you're making zero. Things will adjust. You need to stay on top of your own little circle and stay focused what is in your life and you can control. Very well said. Worry about your economy, your life and your politics and your house. And, you know, it is what it is. I, I think Dre had an excellent point. Trump will end up doing it. He would change his mind like he always does. Most likely. And then Valeria says the virtual debate will literally be like kindergarten Zoom class. And she's talking from experience. Those were a nightmare. So yeah, with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, again, hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, if there's anything that you guys want us to cover, any other style of news, or anything you want us to talk less about, let us know. Put it in the comments or reach out to us. Um, we're, you know, we, we're doing this for you guys. We want to put this, we know this information anyway, and we talk about it all the time. We're doing this for you guys, for you guys to be informed if you're not paying attention to all the noise. So, um, you know, give us, of course, subscribe if you're enjoying this. Give us a little like. And thank you for watching. And Definitely. we will catch you guys on the next one. Bye-bye.